Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Chicago at Green Bay Sunday. Marco, let's make this more of a discussion about motivation in, in Week 17 in the NFL because we're seeing this in a tangible way with Chicago. When the line opened up before Minnesota beat Philly on Tuesday, the assumption was if Philly won, then Chicago would be motivated fighting for the second seed, which is key in the, in the playoffs because you get a bye, you get a home game. When Philly lost, and that just happened yesterday with Taven on Wednesday, Chicago's motivation went to almost zero. And specifically, they've got the two seed locked up, and two things have to happen, or three things have to happen for them to get the one seed. They have to win this game. They have to, Atlanta has to lose, and New Orleans has to lose. Statistically, and I actually, Bloomberg, uh, the news organization, asked me to do some of this analysis, it's a half a percent. So one in 200 chance that all those things are going to happen. So Chicago's motivation has gone to almost zero. This line was five and a half or six right around before the Tuesday loss by Philly, and now it's up to 10. So four points of motivation or so clearly in this case. So let's talk about this game specifically and motivation in general. Well, as far as this game goes, Green Bay, we didn't talk. They do need to win the game to nail down. So they have max motivation. Max motivation. They win. They control their own destiny. They don't have to worry about anybody else. That's something that when Vegas, when a team controls their own destiny, they seem to put a premium on them because it's in their hands. There's two types of must-win situations, and I talked about this at great length on Gil's podcast on Monday. There's win and you need help, and there's win and you control your own destiny. When you control your own destiny, I have seen Vegas put a premium on that line because the public knows that's, that's the team that's going to get the most action. Also, you're getting double premium on Green Bay because of the must-win. And so when you say double premium, you mean that the line has a double premium, which means that looking to fade, it may be the right side. Correct. Where I was going to put the second part of why this line's inflated, too, obviously there's no motivation for Chicago anymore, but people also look at Green Bay and saw what they did the last two weeks. They went into New England, and New England's been an absolute machine down the stretch, and they almost beat the Patriots with a backup quarterback. They come home last week against the Giants and just absolutely annihilated the Giants who needed to win. It was a must-win game for the Giants. So public perception right now is as high as it can be on Green Bay and with the added motivation factor in there. This line couldn't be any higher. I mean, this is the worst time. But is it high enough? Because here's the thing. If Chicago, and that's going to be the question, is Chicago going to try 90%? as opposed to 100 if they, there would have been really been something at stake, or are they going to try not at all? Do they really care if they lose this game 31 nothing? That is a, a bad part of Week 17 handicapping. 
it's a good part to me because anytime you add variables, it means you can perceive something in a superior way to the marketplace. So I think there's three types of teams in week 17. And then there's probably some subsets. One is the must win. Right, Steelers are in that spot, which actually speaks to, to me, the more I think about that line being down to five and a half with the Browns, must win spot for Pittsburgh, Browns, uh, you know, coaches out the door. I can't imagine that line being any lower. Uh, so, uh, you know, I actually, for the first time this year, I think the line's a little low in a Pittsburgh game, which, uh, you know, to me is uh, an interesting, I'll probably do a webcam on that. You've got the must-win teams. You've got the nothing-at-stake teams because I'm already in the playoffs. The Pats, the Bears in this case, et cetera, et cetera. And not only in the playoffs, but my spot is solidified. And that's the case with Baltimore. That's the case with – or not Baltimore because Pittsburgh could lose. Right. But you can go through and in the forums, someone's going to do that, I'm sure, and have a copy-and-paste job on that analysis. But the third group that has a sub, sub, subgroups within it are, hey, I'm out of the playoffs. Now the question is, what's the motivation? If a team's trending upwards, there can be – like I look at Denver this week, and I think with Tebow and – all that I got a feeling they're going to play hard this week. They want to finish. The, you know, they got there's a, there's an excitement in the air for a team that is going nowhere. You you look for teams, and I'll tell you another team that there's excitement with the way they're finishing the year. In it's a meaningless game for them this Sunday, but the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. They're a team that's played well the second half of the season. They're excited. They're a young ball club. You know, got a young quarterback who had some injury problems this year, but they're playing well. In Minnesota, where's their motivation going to be this week? After the playing on a Tuesday night and, and playing spoiler. But you could have almost made that point entering the game on Tuesday. What's their motivation? Well, their motivation is they, they were able to play spoiler. For, to, against a team they don't have any Philly that they have no real interest in. It's still when you're on, when you're on TV. Ah, like, that's a different story. So th the point I'm making is that I do agree with you that the must-win teams ha always have a premium on them. And the only time I ever play them would be if they're playing a team that you think is just going to lay down and they can't make the line high enough. Imagine if they came out and made the line 28. I mean, really, if you know Chicago isn't going to play, this line probably should be in the 20s, right? But you just don't know that. Is If there's a decent chance of that, I don't want to take that team because there's a heck of a chance they might not even play. What you certainly don't want to do is ever tease those types of games. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because the points aren't worth as much. They're either going to play or they're not going to play. And if they play, there's a lot of value with 10. If they don't play, then you know, 17 probably doesn't matter either. So if you can find a must-win team playing a team who is out of it, but potentially motivated, I think you got pure value in those spots. I just don't know if it's the case here. In fact, I don't think it is. Yeah. I have Green Bay winning the game by 10, and that's basically what the number is right now. So for me, it's, it's a no play. And I think that's probably smart. Um, it's also something that I'm going to do a webcam on, so I'll just tease it here, is correlated parlays. You've got your 1 o'clock games. You've got your 4 o'clock games. Now, the 8 o'clock game... The night game sits by itself because they only affect each other. Right. So the question is, what 4 o'clock games are affected motivationally by the 1 o'clock results? I'm going to define those, and I'm going to talk about, hey, if you like a certain result at 1, you probably want to fade, or you probably want to do a certain thing with the 4 o'clock games. A lot of value there. Same thing could have been on this Monday night game. Is And, and the line adjusted 
in that game, uh, in the in the Falcons game. If the Falcons win, Week 17 doesn't matter to them. Right. Okay. If the Falcons lost, it does matter. And the Falcons were only 10 against Carolina, and it was only in a few books. They were 10 against Carolina before that game, uh, before the Monday night game. It's now 14. So literally, if you like New Orleans, you should have done a, a correlated parlay with New Orleans on Monday night and Atlanta on the next week laying 10, mm-hmm. and you could have been laying 10 on the second piece of that and gained four points. So there's a lot of that stuff that goes on at the end of the year that the serious wise guys take advantage of. One thing just to add to you about, you, you talked about the Steeler game, and I'm sure you'll talk about it maybe in one of your webcams. The Steelers are in a unique situation this week. They win and they have the number two seed. If they lose, the Steelers can go all the way to the number six seed. <sighs> I'm getting a little nervous. Now, it's your turn to continue the conversation. But, you know, another thing to think about, if you can't beat the Browns, you might as well forget about it anyway. <laughs> continue this conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. Next up, we're back to the bowls. Monday night, Virginia Tech-Stanford, Orange Bowl, Marco's best bet. And you're over 50% of the year, right? Yes, we are. Which ten, and six, ten and six. See you then. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Rams at Seahawks, Sunday night football. This is deciding the NFC West. Marco, who do you like and why? This is a game we've waited for all year. This is a game that for this one game Sunday, I'm taking Seattle. But I just before we went on air, I told you if these two teams played ten times in a row, St. Louis is probably going to beat Seattle at least six times out of the ten. At Seattle, lane three? Yes, I, this team is a better team. They've got better right, talent. But, well, hold on a second. Laying three at Seattle means they're six points better on a neutral. Correct. So clearly they're the better team. Are they more than six points better? I believe talent-wise, top to bottom, they are. But they're a young ball club. And this is such a pressure situation for this club to go on the road in a hostile environment Seattle looks like they're going to be using the backup quarterback, Whitehurst, because... What's the drop-off between those quarterbacks? Between Hasselbeck and Whitehurst, it's tremendous. All right. Okay, so it, it is a big drop-off. There's still a chance Hasselbeck could play. If, you know, so this might be one of those uh, game-time... Well, if it was a chance, I don't think it's line to be three right now. Um, true. Uh, I, I can't disagree with that, but Seattle has looked so pitiful in the last two weeks. Uh, a lot of this movement, I think, public perception-wise, is anti-Seattle. Uh, I know one thing. The NFL doesn't want to see Seattle win this game because they don't want to see a sub-500 team in the playoffs. That, that's going to so be what does that game. mean? Well, you've got conspiracy theory people think are you, that, Do you agree with that? No, I don't. All right, so we shouldn't be talking about it. But there are people that will talk There's about people it. people think the world's flat, too. But we're well, all going to give them time yeah. on pregame.tv. <laughs> all right. I think this is a great lesson. Whatever we can take away from this game, it's a lesson. There's a difference between identifying a factor and then deciding if it's been properly accounted for. So I think you're absolutely right. On one hand, if I didn't know this line coming in, I would have gotten excited and say, listen, these teams are about even when you look at the records. 
I think the Rams are just a better team. They're trending up. They're young. They're excited, whatever. And I would tend to agree with that. But then you look and you see that the Rams are laying three on the road with Seattle. And the one thing you can say about Seattle is they have a pretty good home field. You'd have to say top ten of the league for sure when it comes to the, the home field effect that they have. So you're telling me this is at least the Rams six points better on a neutral. To me, that completely takes my gut feeling that the Rams are better and makes it where it's, it's been accounted for. I mean, what could this line be? I mean, if you're laying three with the Rams, you've got to think it should be at least five and a half. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that the, the difference between the Rams and the Seahawks, even with the backup quarterback, is similar to the Steelers and the Browns? The Steelers in a must-win spot. The Browns with no motivation. I mean, Jeannie's already out the door, and the Steelers are only laying five and a half on the road. But, and when the Patriots went to Cleveland earlier in the year, not that long ago, which had been six weeks, and they were only laying, the Patriots were only laying three and a half. You're telling me that the difference between the Browns and the Patriots is similar to the Rams and the Seahawks? To me, maybe, but man, it's not more than that. So it's hard to me. There's two possibilities here. This line's right, or Seattle's got value. I think it's hard to say the Rams have any value at three. There's absolutely no value on the Rams at three. And you know, factor in the last two weeks, Seattle has looked so putrid that public perception. You know, anybody that's been backing them, and I can tell you that a couple weeks ago when they played Atlanta, they and I was one of them. I was on them. A lot of sharp handicappers took Seattle as a home dog against Atlanta. It was a perfect situation, and people got burnt, and we've talked about it numerous times. When you play a team several times and you get burnt with them, you know, you, you get a bad taste in your mouth. You don't want any part of them, and that's the way the betting public is on the Seattle team right now. So just to recap, the, the lesson here is you can think that you've got a uh, – you uncover something. In this case, the Rams are just a better team. But, boy, you better make sure it's not accounted for in the line. In this case, it is accounted for in the line. And you look at the Rams, one, in, one of eight ATS against Seattle. Yeah, new coaches and all that stuff, but, again, not, not a good history between these organizations. Seattle with maybe a better home field than most people realize. I don't know if I think the disparity between these quarterbacks is as extreme as you think. Though that's you know a subjective assessment, I think at three and a half, I love I love Seattle. At three, I would lean that way. I've got a weak vote for Seattle, twenty to seventeen, uh, to pull come out of here with the win and just be a disgrace to the NFL. We'll have our first team with a losing record hosting a playoff game next week. It's a key to division play, though. All right, now it's your turn to or your turn to continue the conversation, the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we'll be talking another NFL Sunday game, Chicago at Green Bay. Virginia Tech-Stanford, this is Monday Night Orange Bowl. Marco, who do you like and why? And this is your best bet. This is my best bet. And I'll tell you, I like Stanford. I think this team is the best second-place team in the entire country. Uh, The Pac-10 has always gotten a knock for being... Hey, Dustin, make sure you go head-to-head because I'm going to be pouring out some money to bet on this game. Is it going to be the money you owe me from the Boise State? Uh... Go ahead, let's go. He always moves it along, moves it along. This is Stanford team. This is not your typical Pac-10 team. When you think of the Pac-10, 
you think about finesse teams, you know, they can score, but nobody plays defense. Harbaugh has this team playing good football, hard-nosed football. They're a balanced team. They run and pass. They're what I call a 200-club member. They run and pass for both over 200 yards. I like them against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is a team, I will admit, and I've had success with them this year. They flew under the radar most of the year because of starting the season 0-2. And that was you know, a situation, oh, my God, they lost to James Madison. This team is so bad. They played two games in a five-day period to start the season and then ran, ran the table since then. In that second game that they lost to James Madison. What would the line be if they didn't lose to James Madison? If they didn't lose to James Madison, uh, for this game would be a pick em. All right, so do you think that James Madison game at this point is really telling? No, because I, is the guy that goes back and, you know, re-engineers the schedule, you had to be flat in that game. They played Boise State, the most okay, so hyped-up game. Okay, so you're saying that there's a game that's adjusted this line by three and a half points, and you're still taking the team that is laying the three and a half. Because I still think Stanford is an underrated team. See, that's where we disagree. So go head-to-head, Dustin. I'm going to pay you off. Uh, that Utah team, i got to tell you, when it was nothing-nothing at the end of one, I was feeling pretty sharp. All right, so I'm, gonna... I'm surprised I didn't get any texts like I normally get from you whenever things are going good your way early. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> Thank you. Nice. The fact of the matter is, <laughs> is I think Stanford has been – considered underrated for so long they're now overrated there's been this talk since the middle of the year that this is a team that you know all Oregon's the only team that could beat them blah 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 I think the very fact they're laying three and a half here speaks to that you know in a way we don't have to be abstract about our teams over or underrated let's look at the line Vegas has um Virginia Tech is the sixth best team in football all right, BCS has them 13, Vegas has them 6th. That's one of the most underrated teams out there, again, because of that 0-2 start. And right. it's been the case pretty much all year. They've been six or seven spots off in the BCS. Vegas has liked them, and it's panned out. You know, I lost that Thursday night game with them, laying the points. Mm-hmm. But it's really panned out. This team has been better than people think. Now, you're telling me right now that the 6th best team in the country on a neutral should be getting 3.5 points? Do you disagree? Now remember, you can always change your bet. I'm not changing my bet. I, I agree. Are you just Virginia, ignoring what I'm saying? No, I'm not ignoring it. Both te- honestly, both teams have been underrated all year. Okay. Will you give me that? I, I disagree. All, the first half of the year, I think Stanford's been. I think Stanford went from being underrated to being overrated because everyone's talking about them being underrated. Right now, you're just saying they're the second. Who doesn't think they're the second? They're laying three and a half to Virginia Tech. How are they underrated? This team, if Virginia Tech was laying two here, I would hear your case. Stanford has played one bad half of football all year. Discount that the second half against Oregon is the only bad football they've played this year. The California game that was close, forget about that game. That's the game... The California was, you know, the coaches had the players, uh, you know, supposedly. You're like the guy dives. that says he golfed to 72, but in truth, he, you know, he had, he, he, all that, bun- that, you know, took four mulligans and two shots out of the bunker. The players were, were faking I injuries mean, in that game to, 
stop that momentum of the, of the I'm offense. I'm just saying it's so dangerous. It's like poker, and you do this in poker too. It's so <laughs> dangerous when you hit the two-outer, you just shrug and go, oh, that's the way it should be. When the other guy hits a two-outer, you're talking about it for two weeks. Is it, you can't tell me, stand, you can go back and say, well, this game they played poorly, but here's why. This game they played poorly, and here's why. But what about the games where maybe they didn't play as well as it seems like they played? Is there any acknowledgement of that? I haven't seen it from them this year, right. but, you know. So this I, is a pure value play. What you're saying, it's a pure power ranking play. What you're saying is, is because of the public, if you look at the Vegas power rankings, it should not be a three-and-a-half point line. It should be closer to pick them. You're saying that your power rankings differ from Vegas significantly to the point that, no, that you're going to, you think there's value. So what do you think the line should be here, six-and-a-half? I, I don't think it should be that high. Well, I, what should it be to have value laying one ten at three and a half? Probably Can't be four. Probably four and a half or five. All right. Well, at five. So what you're telling me is that your value is on it landing on four or pushing on five. That's not enough value to lay one ten, is it? But in my personal handicapping, and this is where you know we get into these arguments on on the value with them. I have Stanford winning this game by eight. So why should the line be five then? If you think they're winning by eight, the line should be eight. But my handicap is a result of what the game is. I don't set the lines like Vegas do. I'm not telling you that the line should be eight. I'm saying I'm playing it out the way I see this game. I see Stanford winning the game by eight. I think they have the best offense that Virginia Tech has faced this year. I was a little bit concerned about Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. Florida State moved the ball well on on Virginia Tech, and they were doing it with a banged-up quarterback, a backup quarterback. That scares me. This Stanford offense is good. But remember, this is back where it's always another level to things. When we handicapped that Florida State game against Virginia Tech, our take was that the backup might be better. That he might be, but I also gave that game out on the – uh, my homepage that week, I gave out Virginia Tech as a play that for the bowl game or the ACC championship game. I liked Virginia Tech in that game. They covered, but I wasn't impressed on how much yardage they gave up. It's hard to imagine that you can cover a game, which means you exceeded expectation, and you come out of that thinking negatively about the team. Because I look beyond the surface, sir. <laughs> you got to look for the next game. you got to see things. All right, well, listen, what's your record on your free best bets? We're ten and six here on the video, and uh, I'm going with Stanford. And when's the last time you had a normal job that you actually worked? I would have been seventeen years old, sir. So, fifty years? Wait, how long? Forty years ago? I am forty nine, <laughs> sir. Okay, forty nine. <laughs> the point I'm making is, though you haven't necessarily made your case very well, I think for the for the viewers and the listeners. The way you do things has won for 31 years. You've, you know, you've been kicking butt this year. You had the amazing baseball streak, 25 straight winners, never laid more than 120, and had more dogs than favorites. So I enjoy that I'm, you know, with my, college, my fancy college education, I, I can out-debate you. But the fact of the matter is you, your instincts, though not nece- necessarily articulate, are, are winning. And... Like me, as smart as some people might think I am, I seem to keep batting you. And, and you I seem, seem to, to keep, keep paying me. Yeah. All right, so, so I'll hold this 500. So we're batting 500. We're batting again. And 
I'll let these guys know that their brothers and sisters will be joining them next week. Well, <laughs> you probably had the same 500 that I, you beat me out of three years ago <laughs> in, your, in your special envelope. Well, I give us your, you gave us your projection. And you know why it's special? Because I haven't had to dig into it because I keep winning. <laughs> well, but your poker envelope, that's a different story. <laughs> Oh, did you give us your projection? I, I did uh, three times, but I'll give it again. 34, 26. I just can't believe it. I just can't listen. <laughs> you know, can I give the guys a, a coupon to Go for it. Okay. I want to give away some of your money. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it is New Year, so the coupon's going to be New Year 10. All one word, New Year. And so not plural. Not plural. Just New Year 10. And you will get $10 off. Go to the shopping cart. Enter it in the coupon code section. It will automatically discount $10. And if the pick happens to be $10, it's free on RJ. And what's interesting is we're doing this on the January 3rd video. So those who are dedicated enough to watch the videos early are going to get to ring in the new year with a $10 discount. Right. Those who wait till game day, well, you'll still get the discount, yeah. but it's going to be weird typing a new year 10. Yeah. Well, it's only because he forgot to give the coupon in his best bet earlier. <laughs> Uh, it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're looking at Arkansas and Ohio State on Tuesday in the Sugar Bowl. The criminals. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Arkansas versus Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. Marco, who do you like and why? I'm going to go with Arkansas. This is a tough call, but I think they win this game. I love Jim Trestle as a coach, but they did struggle this year against teams with a balanced offense and a good quarterback. And those two games were Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, they lost to Wisconsin, and they could have lost to Iowa. Arkansas comes in here with a great running and passing attack. Ryan Mallett will be the best quarterback that our Ohio State has faced all year. I think the overriding handicapping factor in this game is the high State's team turmoil with these suspensions. Um, a lot of talk, and actually amongst the you know, Twitter sphere with the real in-the-know people late la or last week, is the rumor was Tressel was going to step down after this game. And uh, National Football Post had that up, and uh, we've actually been doing some podcasts with them, but they, they've got some real inside information. And then later it was, no, that's not true. Um, but the very fact that rumor made the rounds, I think, speaks that this is an emo you know, this is not just a shrug of the shoulders. Is High State and Trestle prides himself on running a clean program. Um, you know, it, there's a perception now that there's been some favoritism with the way that they're going to be, these players are going to be allowed to play in this game. You know they're distracted. They're thinking about, these are some key players. Quarterback prior, clearly key, yeah. is am I going to go to the NFL? I mean, how, how into this game could they be? I mean, this seems to be the recipe of, a, of distraction. So my question is, if I say make the case that Ohio State is going to really play motivated here, how do you make that case? Well, if there is one coach that's, you know, they can do that. I think Jim Trestle. He's not a magician, though. But he, if would, he could do that, he, these kids wouldn't have done what they've done. I hear what you're saying, but listen to me for a second. To me, when I look at him and his little sweater vest and everything, I look at like my dad, and I think that 
maybe the Ohio State. A lot State of people way, hate their dads. A lot of people do, but a lot of people, you know, do you know like their dads, okay? And when they disappoint them, they really feel bad about it and really want to work. That's why hard. they're looking to jump to the NFL. Well, this is where you separate the men from the boys. This is where you find and, character. And you were, and the character is, it seems to be shown that they're getting suspended for five games. So we're relying on the character of the guys that were suspended for five games. It's a gray area. It is, for sure. I mean, we don't know how they're going to react. But this line hasn't moved. It hasn't because what has changed on the field? The players that were going to be there are there. There's no penalty well, that, to them. That may be, we should splice that out. That may be the most nonsensical thing you ever said. If, if motivation doesn't affect the field, then all the, we should erase all the videos that we did today. Because <laughs> we've been talking motivation all day. This isn't a computer-generated result. These are kids. These are 21-year-olds and, and younger. And what's changed on the field is the focus on this game has been taken away for, on the player side, on, on the coaching side in many ways. I mean, right or right, wrong. Right, but they're, they're not being penalized. They're being penalized well, they're next play, year. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is it's fundamental. When we talk about, oh, we don't know if Alabama's going to be motivated or if we don't know Team X is going to be motivated, there's no penalties involved. Nebraska doesn't have any penalties involved, and we went on for 10 minutes that they're not going to be motivated. So what I'm saying is they have a black mark against them, which, if anything, I think it's the worst of both worlds for High State. On one hand, the five-game penalty next year seems severe, but on the other hand, just on ESPN.com today, there's a thing that says NCAA says it's not being preferential to Auburn in a high state. Preferential, I think it was ne- it was a, a severe penalty, but the fact they're playing this game makes it seem like they're getting special treatment. So not only are they there's a big question mark for next year, but additionally this year there's a bunch of distractions. I, you can't tell me there's a zero effect. Oh, I, I can't. But the line Do, hasn't moved. The line hasn't moved because, you know what, we're sitting here trying to figure out how it's going to affect. So is the betting public. They're scratching their head, but too. But here's the thing. The line not moving would only make sense if there was a 100% chance that there'd be a zero effect. If there's a 50% chance there'd be some effect, then the line should move to account for that effect. Or possibility. It's like snow. If there's a 50% chance that there's going to be a foot of snow and a 50% chance there'll be no snow, how's the total affected? It's lower, right? right. And if there's snow, <laughs> you're probably getting, it's going to be that in between, the same things we talked about injuries. If the line would have been 30 with the snow, 37 without the snow, if there's a 50% chance, they'd probably make it 33 and a half and split the difference. Well, my question is, whatever the percentage chance that this is going to be a major distraction, where is its accounting? How is it being accounted for? It's not because... Which means value Arkansas. Well, you can go that way, yeah. All right, what else do you think is key in this game? Well, again, I think that the, my basis of the game is the, is the offense of Arkansas. I think Ryan Mallett is a, an NFL-caliber quarterback, and Ohio State just hasn't faced that this year. It's the difference in the game to me. You might be right. Now, Vegas has a high state as the fourth best team in the country. I think they're highly overrated. I, and, I that, that. and that's, again, again, you're having a different – there's two ways to, to have value in a handicap. One is you and Vegas agree and the public disagrees, 
or two is you and Vegas disagree, which is a valid approach. So you're telling me you're in, your lean towards Arkansas here is driven by you don't rate a high state as highly as Vegas does. Other, you tell me you're you know the grad from Ohio State, so you follow them you know all through the year. What's their signature win? Yeah, this you know, year. I mean, clearly it, it was Iowa. I mean, going on the road. It, but here's the thing: Ohio State. There's been a misperception about them in the bowls. They lost big to LSU, and they lost big to Florida. Do you know they haven't lost another bowl game at ATS in the last eight years? They're six and two ATS in bowl games. So the two games that people remember, they lost. There's 48 and 68 over 48 of 68, 48 of 20 ATS. So that's uh, six years worth. They're hitting. I mean, 48 and 20 is like over 70 percent. So this is a team in general that overperforms. I I agree with you, and you make a great point about the fundamentals of the passing. Uh, the, the team that has a has a balanced attack, they're going to have trouble with. Arkansas, hey, they're from a great conference. They're 16 and five ATS against teams with a winning record. So they've actually played best against the best teams, and in their conference, teams with a winning record are good teams. So you know, I agree with you, but to me, the value is driven by the lack of. In fact, the line has gone up since the Open from three to three and a half. We're now over a key number. Uh, I think the lack of adjustment by the public for this turmoil is where the real value is. Uh, I got Arkansas 33-30, and the only reason I have it that close is I do have a lot of respect for Trestle as a coach and being able. If there's anybody that can hold this together, it's him, but I still like Arkansas. Will you wear next week? Will you wear a sweater vest if they win? Uh, I don't know if I'll go sweater vest, but I do have Ohio State hoodie. I, I could put on. <laughs> All right, now guys, we're doing this on Tuesday this week. We have a special. It's the hundred dollar pick the score contest. Go to the YouTube comment section and guess the score in this game. It's free. Guess the score. Ohio State this many points. Arkansas this many. If you get the score exactly right, you win one hundred pregame dollars to spend any way you want. And again, there's no risk, no obligation. So guess away. And we'll be back next week with more videos, including the first round of the NFL playoffs and the BCS championship game.